This is the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. My name's Jim Gallagher, and I'll be your host. Uh, this is our going into our fourth year of doing this. We've had several seasons. We've had a great time with this. We appreciate everybody listening in. Uh, and 2023 is going to be a great year. We're going to have some good uh, times together and uh, some great guests. But uh, I'm really excited for our next guest. We had Allison Trollio back in season one. She's the wife of VJ Trollio, who jumps on here with me, my co-host, also the author of Only One Shot. And that's available at Amazon. A little plug there for VJ. He's a teaching professional at Old Waverly. And uh, Allison's the mom to both Cohen, who plays for LSU, and Collins, who signed to play at Ole Miss next year. So she's traveled to junior circuits and been there. And that mom, and we had her on to share from her view, what a mother's view of uh, traveling with junior golfers, some of the advice that she had for everybody and uh, and the traveling expenses and kind of juggling that, being a mom, being a wife, uh, and, and doing all that. So uh, it was great to have them, her on with that and what it was like traveling with them. But today we have another guest uh, who's uh, not only a good player, but one of those traveling moms. Well, this is quite a treat for me. Uh, I've got Libby Akers Pancake. Uh, she was an incredible player herself. Uh, and Tony Pancake, her husband, who's the director of golf at Crooked Stick. They're on vacation, so I'm interrupting their vacation for this. But Thanks, y'all, for being with us and, uh, and, and, and spending some time with us and kind of giving some of your experiences and, and what it's like now being parents of uh, college players and what that process has been like. But welcome. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you including us. And uh, um, always good to connect with uh, somebody from our junior golf days back in Indiana. Absolutely. Yeah, now, thanks to- for having us. Thank yeah. you, Libby. Let's start with you, Libby, ladies first. But uh, you grew up in the, quite the golfing family. You, you won a couple state juniors, a state am. You're a finalist in the U.S. Junior Girls. Your sister won state juniors and ams. Uh, your dad was a coach. Uh, what was it like for you growing up uh, with a sister who was a good player and your dad who was a football coach, as I recall, in uh, having that? What was it like for you growing up as a junior golfer? Yeah, it was awesome. I grew up in French Lake, Indiana, which was a great place to grow up, very small town. Um, my dad played every sport you can think of, literally. Um, and I think probably had a chance to play professional baseball, but got to that point and realized he didn't quite, he hadn't quite worked hard enough. He didn't realize what it took. And so he always said with Kelly and I that he didn't ever want us to have to feel that way. So he wanted to prepare us for college golf or golf beyond or wherever we wanted to take it. But he didn't ever want us to get to the point where we could have played and realized we didn't give it enough. And so he he worked us pretty hard, but in a good way. And he was very positive. And um, he, he was just a great uh a great dad and a great coach. Yeah, I think that's – I talk to a lot of college coaches, and their dads have coached uh, or taught or do, did those things. It's kind of passed on. My dad was my instructor for all those years, uh, and it's such a great trait. I, I would not be – I don't like the mechanical part of it, the mechanic part of it, but I love the, the preparation, the strategy. I thought that was cool. Tony, for you, uh, also an Indiana boy as well, you played college golf at Alabama. What was – who got you started and kind of influenced you early on in uh, your junior golf days? Yeah, I, uh, I actually played all sports, uh, Jim, and, and uh, loved basketball by growing up in Indiana, as yeah. you know. Uh, it's a basketball crazy state, and especially back in the um, 70s, it was um, even more so that way. But uh, so I played high school basketball, and golf was probably my second favorite sport. But as I got into it, I just loved um you know, um, playing individually, and I just had such a passion for working on my golf game. I, 
I wasn't near the player that Libby was. Um, first time we played in the tournament, we actually have a picture of the two of us standing there holding our trophies. And um, like the rest of the boys, I wanted to see who that cute girl was that was beating <laughs> all of us. Um, uh, Libby won pretty much every tournament in Indiana. I'm not sure I ever won any, but uh, um, I was fortunate enough to, to uh, go to the University of Alabama and, and be on the golf team there. Uh, again, I didn't have a um, uh, a good career at all, but I made some great connections that um, allowed me to, to you know follow my passion of golf and and uh, um, becoming a, a golf professional and a PGA member. Yeah, you spent some time with some pretty impressive uh, instructors. I believe Jack Lepkin was one of them, uh, and, and several other guys. While you were at Alabama, you got I think an accounting degree, but you got your PhD in golf instruction with some of those guys. What was who were some of those guys that were your early on influences? You spent some time with that taught you so much uh, while you were at Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I was working at the, the North River Yacht Club where they hosted a golf digest instruction school. So. To be able to hang around Bob Toski and Jim Flick and Peter Costas and Hank Johnson and Jack Lumpkin, Scott Davenport, and these guys were, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, Davis Love um, was one of the instructors there as well. And uh, to be able to watch them teach and, and how they motivated students, what they looked for, um, it, it just really changed my perspective on golf and how to teach golf and I really thought I was actually going to be a full-time teacher when okay. I graduated. Um, but after doing that for a couple of years, I realized just the, the um, mental and physical demands of that. And, and I loved so many other aspects of the game. I mean, I loved to play golf and um, uh, I loved running tournaments and, and just kind of being the guy that could um, try to help people enjoy the game more. So, that, that naturally led me to become a head golf professional, and I still teach a lot. I especially enjoy uh, teaching younger players, I mean, teenage uh, um, junior golfers and, and uh, trying to help them realize their dreams in the game. What makes, you know, and, and like you said, junior golfers, that's where it all starts. Uh, and I'll get back to you in a second, Lee, because i got a great question to ask you. But what makes a good instructor? Uh, in your opinion, and you're doing it at that early on level, what makes a good instructor? And you were around so many great instructors. Yeah, I think the probably the most important thing is just the connection with the student. And especially now, when, when we were younger, Jim, they didn't have all the technology. But right. now with so much technology and so much on your phone, that, that it, there's probably a little bit less guesswork. And, 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 you know, everybody's pretty much teaching the same way or looking at the same things in the golf swing. So now I would say it's a little bit more of, of a connection. And, and we've seen that with, with our kids um, and just how, you know, certain instructors they've connected better with, not that one was a better teacher or knew more about the golf swing, but just more about feeling like you really connect with somebody. They're in your corner. They're your biggest fans and things like that. I would say are probably the most important. Absolutely. Now, Libby, we talked about instructors. We talked about you both play different sports. Uh, and, I, and I have coaches that, you know, you see these other sports, they specialize just in the one sport. But so many more coaches in college now are looking for kids who played multiple sports. Uh, how important, what's your opinion on that, playing multiple sports uh, and being able to even play in college up to that point? What's it like? Uh, what was it like for your kids growing up, and how important is it to play other sports? Yeah, I think it's very important. I think there was a season when we grew up, you know, we played multiple sports. And then there was kind of a season where 
there was this philosophy of specialization. And then I remember specifically when Annabelle was going on her visits, asking some coaches that that very question. And by that time, it kind of swung back to they liked you playing multiple sports, I think. Um, you know, they like a kid that's competitive. They like a kid that knows how to play on a team. Um, overuse injury is an issue. Um, and it was interesting. Annabelle had five concussions, two wow. major, three minor, in a one-year period when she was 13. So all of our kids grew up. We knew, we knew with both of us having played and Tony being in the business that they could hate golf. Mm-hmm. So we tried to make it really, really fun, and we encouraged them to play all different sports, and they all kind of gravitated at the end towards golf. But um, but Annabelle kind of got forced into it because a little bit because um, her first love was horseback riding. Um, wow. And she rode horses, and she played – I mean, she played everything when she was little, but then it kind of came down to horses, golf, and basketball. And she had this year where she had all these concussions, and – she, um, you know, that's really honestly when her golf game took off. Like Tony joked that he should pay the neurologist for, <laughs> for she probably to give up basketball and uh, and horseback riding. But I think that like she is really strong, and I, I really wonder if some of that goes back to horseback riding and the core strength. And so I think it's, um, I think as a parent, my advice to parents of young kids would be to make golf super fun because they're not going to do stuff that's not fun. It, it needs to be fun and find friends, but also let them play every sport that they want to play and then, you know, let them decide what they're passionate about. How were you guys able to make uh, it fun? What were some of the things you did to kind of keep that fun part of it? Because as we all know, golf's a tough game and it can't always be as fun. My youngest, we call her the legacy breaker because she refused to play. Uh, but uh, <laughs> she had the best golf swing. I'm going, Elizabeth, you've got the best golf swing of all four. Come on. And she goes, ah, boring. But what were some of the things y'all did uh, just to kind of keep it fun? Yeah, um, you know, I'd, I'd say one thing we tried to do, Jim, was to keep the kids from burning out on golf. And, mm. and that kind of goes back to that playing more than than one sport. And Annabelle, when she kind of was in a position where she could really only play one sport, she actually then in the wintertime started doing this uh, um, show choir at her, at her school. And, mm. I mean, she, it was like an off-season for her. She was really into it. She loved it, but it took her away from golf for a while, and that really recharges. And, you know, my students sometimes, I always tell them, hey, if you're trying to get a little bit better every day, that's really the way that that's the long-term improvement of golf, and you really see that progress. And um, sometimes taking a day off or a month off, that's that's getting better every day because of the mental challenge of the game uh, if you're trying to compete at a high level. So. I would say we really tried to do that. We also tried to connect them with people that they could play golf with other than us. Um, it's really no fun playing with your parents, <laughs> especially if it's competitive. I mean, it, you know, I think you like to compete against your parents if you can win. Annabelle can beat us now, so she loves playing against us. But I think uh, when we were beating her, it wasn't quite as much fun for us. Go ahead, Levy. I would also add that as uh, when they were little, Tony was, you know, talking more about when they were older, but when they were little, I mean, golf in our family, when they were three, four years old, would consist of 20 minutes of hitting balls. Uh, we would go get fish crackers and Coke, <laughs> and then we would drive around the car and look at turtles and squirrels, and you know, like whatever you have to do when they're young to make them want to come back. I yep. remember specifically Trent 
was was swinging full swing cross-handed and my dad was having a fit and i was just like dad let him go you know like eventually he figured it out but if you can make it fun when they're little they're they'll want to keep doing it they don't have to be perfect when they're four yeah so you know anyway that that was kind of the earlier version of fun in our family yeah you mentioned time off i had a college kid uh plays at a top school and I mean, he played every day this summer. Uh, you all know that schedule. And he, he came up to me, or he called me. He only calls me when he's desperate, I guess. But he called me and he said, uh, pro, I mean, I'm just struggling. I mean, I'm getting behind in school. I said, well, first of all, you're there to go to school. Uh, and, and that's number one. Uh, it, but he said, I'm afraid to take time off. I said, why? I took months off in, in when I was in Indiana. And I think you hit it right on the head there, Tony. It, it kind of, not so much your physical part, it's the mental part. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think people are afraid to take time off. Uh, and, and I think that's that's where we get in trouble. And that's where burnout comes in and, and everything. But, you know, Libby, you were talking about the process uh, of college and being recruited and Annabelle. Uh, how has it changed from when you were being recruited? Now, you were a top player in the country uh, we all know that. We know your record. Everyone in Indiana knows your record there, and you're one of the top players. You're being recruited. How has that process changed back when you were being recruited versus now? Wow. I mean, it's totally different. Um, there were so many less players back then. Mm. It's so much more competitive now. I felt like when our kids, and, and we went through it with all four of them, um, by the time our kids started going through the process, I mean, you really to sell your coaches would more find you course you know the whole visit like you didn't even think about where you were going to go to college till your senior year right you know we went on visits i went on visits like january february of my senior year and three or four years ago people you know before they changed the rules people were committing in the eighth grade i mean it's just so so different now yeah and i I think also like you said there's more in in the way they recruit the access i I think the best rule they made is to to limit it down i think annabelle was probably under that when you had to commit early i know kathleen was uh, but they did change that where they can't contact them till their junior year. I mean, I didn't even know where my locker was yeah. in my junior year or the combination, <laughs> let alone know where I was going to go to school. I think <laughs> Kathleen told me it was all about colors. Uh, you got to look good to play good. So we weren't that far along either. And I think all kids are, are, are different that way. But it, it, is, it has really changed. But for you, Tony, you've seen it as well. And you've teaching juniors. And you, you hit on that a little bit with all the uh, information, all the technical stuff out there. There's more. It seems like there's more good players because of good teaching and good uh, equipment out there, information. Uh, how has it changed with your teaching with the juniors from when you kind of started to where you are now? Yeah, it's so much different, Jim, as you mentioned. And, and uh, the number of really good players and the competitiveness. And I mean, when we were growing up, if you could shoot in the mid-70s, you could play collegiate golf. And, mm-hmm. and now it just doesn't work that way. I mean, uh, it's funny, I get a lot of parents uh, saying, hey, I, I went on the website and I saw that the fifth player's score at XYZ University is averaging 76.2, and my son or daughter is averaging 74 point whatever. And, and so they think their son or daughter can play at that school, but it really doesn't work that way. The, the math is different. Number one, uh, I've had collegiate coaches tell me that if you take your high school average, you need to uh, add five strokes to that to compare what it would be like at the collegiate level. And that's based on the difficulty of the course and the weather conditions that they play in. So if you're averaging 74 in co- in high school, you're probably going to average around 79 in, 
in college. Um, so it's, it's just a, a lot different in terms of those comparisons. And also you got to keep in mind those collegiate coaches, they're not recruiting people to play in the five spot. They're recruiting yeah. to help them at the top of their lineup. They're looking in two players. So, um, you know, if you're a player that's not getting recruited a lot, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get discouraged by that, but you just got to understand, um, you know, what you're up against. And, and, uh, but as far as instructing those, those, um, those potential players, the game has become such a power game. You know, when Libby was uh, a junior golfer, she probably hit her tee shots, maybe 220 yards, 225 yards. Well, Annabelle carries them all 250 yards. Mm. I mean, it's, she can hit a 275 or 280. It's just a totally different game. I'm embarrassed to say this, <laughs> but um, her club head speeds faster than mine, and it just it drives me crazy. But when I swing as hard as I can, it's you know 9,900 miles an hour, and she's 102, 103, and just chuckling at me. So yeah, get um, on the bus. You're the on there with is, me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I think the game is just so much different in that regard. You're right, and speed, and we're all hunting distance, and and even at my age, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get Callaway to send me a driver that I go further. Well, first of all, my body's not going to allow that, so that's an issue, Uh, (laughs) and and the fact I don't hardly play. Uh, But I I, I think you're right. I think speed has changed. Distance has changed. You've seen at Crooked Stick where you're the director of golf there, how that golf course, I remember when the PGA was there, Jim Farrell, our good friend, was pro, and I'm playing there. I finished – uh, third there, and I'm thinking of some of those holes. And then, like, John Daly took it over corners that no one would dream about, but that's what they're doing today. Um, and I think that's one of the things that uh, – I still think you got to get it in the hole, but it, it has changed the game. I watch these young men in college and even the gals, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad I'm not playing against them. I think the biggest thing you said, uh, there's more of them. And I think that's one of the things. But uh, y'all got married. Y'all finished up school. Tony, you uh, went to several clubs. You were at Valhalla, I think, in your mid-20s as your first job. That had to be a pretty cool uh, position to take at such a young age. Yeah, it really was. It was. I was so fortunate I was in the right place at the right time. Louisville and I both grew up in southern Indiana. So to come back to Louisville was, was just a dream job and a chance to really um, – I mean, they took a chance on me because I was inexperienced and young, but it, it gave me a chance to really um, learn the business with a growing membership there, and and um, we just loved our time there. I actually was hopeful that could have been a you know a, a career job for us, but uh, God had other things in store for our family. So uh, then we moved to Baltimore, and I was at the Baltimore Country Club, which again is a super nice place. It was actually a 36 hole club. Uh, Tilling has golf course, um, but we just we missed the Midwest. And uh, Libby, I think after being there for a couple of years, she said, "I said, is there any clubs in the Midwest that you'd like to go to?" I said, "The, the if Jim Farrell ever retires at Cricket Stick, that would be just the perfect fit for us." And um, luckily enough, that all worked out for us. And uh, it's hard to believe, but I'm I'm starting my 20th year there this year. Wow, it's incredible how fast it's gone by. Yeah, Jim was there 30. He was there when I – and I think you were at Valhalla in 96 when I played the PGA there. Um, and so, I mean, incredible. But like you said, Cricket Stick, always one of my favorite golf courses. Uh, they've had a Solheim Cup, a USAM, a Senior Open, PGA Tours BMW. And, and 
that had to be nerve-wracking running those big tournaments like that. Uh, and, 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 and what was – I know I've, th- I've seen and read where the, the Solheim Cup was one of your favorite weeks. But uh, what goes into a prep? Uh, and you've been to Valhalla, these big events. It goes into the prep preparing the golf course or your operations uh, to host such uh, big events. Yeah, um, obviously it's a, it's a great privilege to be able to, to participate in events like that, and I've learned so much from it. Um, I think the main thing that that I would say is there's always a, a group that runs tournaments at this level, um, so they take care of a lot of the setup of the golf course or the you know the selling of the hospitality or um, securing all the vendors, things like that. Um, each tournament has different things that specifically they've asked me to do, but I think the, the one thing I've always tried to focus on more than anything is just being a really good ambassador for the club. And I tell my staff, hey, when when we've hosted the, let's just say it was the um, the 2016 BMW Championship, when when people leave there, that's players, sponsors, volunteers, fans. Um, everybody that comes to Craigus Tech, I want them to leave and say, we've never been treated so well. This place is incredible. You know, I wish someday I could be a member here. Um, so that, that's really the the main focus of everything we do when we host from those national tournaments. And, um, you know, and and our members are so generous to give up their golf course. Uh, we want it to be a great experience for them as well. Yeah, and it was, and it's always is. You all have done. Jim Farrell did a great job. You all continue to do that job. Uh, and Cricket Stick was always one of my favorite courses, the course I played out of. I remember when they announced they were going to have the PGA there, and I had just kind of been on tour early on, and, and I said, that's my goal is to be able to play at home uh, in front of all those people. And mm-hmm. I remember coming in there, and, and Daly was the magical story. And my friend Bruce Litsky beat me on the last hole. He made this long putt to cut me. But I remember coming in there and shooting 67, low round of the final day, hitting that little cut six iron there on the last hole. Got about a four-footer for birdie, and I heard someone scream, don't choke, don't miss it. And I'm going, come on, y'all have been behind me the whole time now. Uh, but it was just such a magical week. Mom and Dad were there. Sissy was down there, and, and it was just such a magical week for me to be able to play there at home. And, and, and I've always loved that golf course, and I really haven't been back enough uh, to play. I know you've invited me several times, but uh, it is one of my favorites, and I know you're proud to be there as well. But you know, when I, I think start thinking about it, Libby, you're the mom, you're traveling, Tony did the same. Uh, how were you all able to balance, you know, all the kids and, and, and scheduling and your careers? Uh, a lot of parents out there, they don't know how to get started with their schedule for junior golf, and it can be expensive. What were some of the things or what advice do you have for those folks trying to kind of budget things and ideas and plan and what kind of tournaments to play in? Yeah, I, what we did is we we would get on the we got advice from people. It was so different. Like first of all, when AJGA when we started trying to look into that, I would laugh and say I felt like I needed a PhD in the AJGA because it's so different than when we play um, with the whole you know star system and all of that. But um, uh, we asked a lot of questions. We would talk to a lot of people, people that have been through it, other parents because they're they're probably your best resource because they just went through it and it's fresh in their mind we would talk about like different tours uh we got i got like a really great piece of advice actually at a coaches clinic once someone asked them about scheduling and they said you know play in some things you can win Mm. and then go up a level and play in stuff that you're going to get your head beat in a little bit 
and then go and then figure out like, okay, how do my gains stack up? What do I need? And go backwards. So like we kind of did that with, with the kids and, and, um, you know, obviously most recently Annabelle and she probably played in the most AJJs, but you would kind of bounce back and forth between these tours and these levels of competitiveness and just eventually work your way up. Um, as far as, I mean, I, I teach a little bit, like I probably a handful of mostly uh, now high school girls and middle school girls wanting to make their team. So I just tell everybody, like, if you want to take lessons from me, I, I'm, I'm a hit or miss. Uh, I'm in and out of town a lot in the summer. So I pretty much traveled most of the time with Annabelle in the summer. And then Tony will like, you know, come for a day or whatever, if he can. College golf has been kind of fun for him because of uh, being so much in the winter, he's mm-hmm. been able to go a lot more than he ever has been um, in the summer. So yeah. that's been super fun. What are you telling those girls or what, what do you tell them to look for when they're looking at maybe if they can go to the next level to play in college golf, which what was some of the advice you have for some of those folks? Uh, Jim, when I meet with a prospective collegiate player, I, um, yeah, I, the first thing I say to them is, is have at least 10 schools on your list. And, okay. and you want to have maybe a couple dream schools. Um, you know, if everything went perfect and, you know, I played great this summer and could go anywhere I wanted, what would those dream schools be? And, you know, maybe have, have a couple schools at the bottom end that you could be the top player at that school. Uh, maybe that's a Division two school or a lower-ranked Division one school or whatever it might be. And then find some schools in the middle that, that you have a desire to, to go there. And it's not just about golf. As you said earlier, academics is really the whole reason you go to college. So mm-hmm. you're going there to get a degree. you gotta, you got to enjoy that. Uh, maybe you're somebody that really wants to go to a school that has big-time sports programs and uh, certainly those, you know, Power Five conference. Uh, that's harder to play golf there for sure, but um, if that's important to you, then then uh, you need to pursue schools like that. So um, we probably focus mostly on the coach and um, you know Annabelle's relationship with the coach or a potential player's relationship with the coach or uh, a reputation of the coach maybe. Uh, we looked at uh, schedule, we looked at weather, we looked at academics, we looked at um, do you know anybody on the team currently? If you do, that's really a great um, way to, to get connected with a coach and a team if you already know somebody that either has played or is currently on the team there. Um, maybe the certain type of degree that you that you're pursuing there's just so many variables that you can look at and then you just start connecting with coaches and and um parents always say well what's the key to me getting getting my son or daughter noticed and and the key to that is pretty simple you shoot low scores yeah (laughs) they shoot low scores um and and that's probably the, the key more than anything and and uh if your scores are in the 60s you're going to have a lot of coaches contacting you. If your scores are in the low 70s, you're going to have less, but still a bunch. And if you're shooting in the mid-70s, you're going to have some interest. They might not be the schools that you're that you're wanting. And um, But, uh, you know, it, 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 the last thing I would say about this whole process, this recruiting process, is it's stressful for kids and parents, and, and it really shouldn't be. I mean, it's such a blessing. There are there are 
thousands of golfers out there that want to play college golf that never get recruited or don't you know don't go through that recruiting process and if you're one that's able to go through that i would just encourage you to, to enjoy it look at it as something that's a, a real blessing and you and your parents get to go through it together and you're going to meet some great people and visit some great places um and just look at it as a gift as opposed to turning into something that's really stressing out the family. Yeah, that's great advice. I always tell a kid, I was a young man being recruited, and I said, you know, you, you kind of, if it gets close between the two, you kind of narrow it down if I got hurt or I didn't make a trip and I had to stay home. Is this a place I could be? That's I'm not playing golf 24-7. Is this a place I could be? And it kind of narrows it down to that. And I think, uh, you know, Kathleen went through that more. Mary Linden was kind of set on Mississippi State, but uh, – uh, and Kathleen went to LSU, but it, it is, it's tough for these kids. And they're, and like you said, score dictates where you're going to end up going. Uh, that's, that's the true, uh, the true uh, kind of measure of everything there for sure. But uh, Tony, you've caddied for Annabelle uh, and I'm sure you have as well, Libby. Do, uh, what's that like? How do you separate dad, instructor, whatever? Uh, how do you separate those things? Cause there's a lot of parents out there that want to caddy for their kids. And, and, and I've seen where they kind of go South pretty quick. Yeah. Well, I think the, the best thing that's helped me in that is I've, I've seen a lot of parents and their kids and, and uh, how challenging that relationship can become on a golf course. So I've just said, Hey, I'm not going to let that happen to us. And, you know, it's, it's so much fun for me to go out and, and carry her bag and to be able to spend that quality time with her. And, and I'll, you know, I don't know how long I'll be able to do it, how much longer, and, um, but it's just, um, it's one of the highlights of my life. I just love uh, love being able to do it, so I'm trying not to screw it up. Um, and uh, we, Annabelle plays her best when she's having fun. Yeah. We are out there having fun. We we don't talk much golf while we're out there. We're talking about other things and laughing and joking. And um, you know, I'm trying to talk to the other caddies and the other players because that helps her play better too when she's connecting with the other players in the group and. You know, I, I think a lot of people saw her playing in the um, U.S. Women's Am, the match that she lost, and how much fun she was having with her opponent who was beating her. Yeah, I was there. Annabelle was encouraging her, but um, you know that that's that's who Annabelle is, and um, that's how she plays her best. So um, that, that's that's what I try to do when I'm out there carrying the bag. So the other thing is, I just try to be really positive with her and let her know how much I believe in her. I mean, when we get to a par five. And she might be 245 yards out, carrying it over a bunker. But I'm like, hey, what do you think? She says, man, I'd love to go. For it. I said, you can make it. I mean, you're one of the few people in this field that can do this. Come on, I'll show everybody what you're made of. And so to encourage her that way and to be able to kind of um, uh, build her up in that is just uh, that's so much fun for me. And most of the time, she pulls it off. It's amazing. Well, as a dad of, of three daughters, that's when they when your daughter hears it from your dad, they truly believe it, and that's a testament to both of you how Annabelle was. I was amazed she was losing the match, but having a great time. I'm going like, come on now, <laughs> and, but both girls, I think, and I think that helped her opponent. I think that helped her relax, and I. Uh, and, but that says a lot, and it, it is. You can be competitive, but yet you can act. Uh, in a proper way, she did, she did that that week, and I know you're proud of her. And, and that's just that's just too uh, knowing you too. Uh, I'm not surprised. That's exactly 
uh, who I thought she'd be. But uh, I know you're busy. You got your vacation. But I got a question for each one of you. Start with Libby. And I always like to ask my guests, uh, and we talked about this earlier, what separates that elite golfer maybe from the rest? You've played against them. You were one of those elite players. What separates maybe some of the things that maybe separates them from maybe the rest? Well, I mean, I, I think obviously competitiveness just in general, which goes back to the playing other sports. Um, and I think there's a balance between competitiveness, but also not making an idol out of the game mm. and recognizing that your self-worth is not intertwined in it and it allows you to relax. Um, you know, honestly, I pray a lot on the golf course for Annabelle and I pray that her mind would get out of the way so her body can do what she's trained it to do. Um, so that it's not so important that she locks up. Um, so uh, to me, it's a balance between a really, really competitive drive, but also recognizing that your self-worth is not wrapped up in golf. God, that's so perfect. I, I just had that same conversation with a young man. I said, your game cannot dictate who you are. Uh, and you can't let it do that. Mm-hmm. But the praying, you know, I, I did that before the Ryder Cup, before I, I went in there, and I'll never forget that. It's like, Lord, just give me peace. And, and, and I played Seve mm-hmm. in the singles. I needed some serious peace, that's for sure. And, and uh, <laughs> he, he gave it to me. I mean, someone said, how did you handle the nerves? I go, I have no idea. I just was at peace. Uh, and I think that's uh, part mm-hmm. of it. Tony, you've seen the best. Uh, you've been at Cricket Stick long enough. You've seen the tournaments there. What's, in your opinion, separates uh, maybe that elite player from the rest? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a great question. Um, uh, you, you know, early on in my career, I would have said you, you'd get focused like on golf swings and things like that or putting. But I, I think now, after being around the game so much for forty years, uh, it's mostly just um, self belief, um, believing that you can that you can pull off a shot, that you can accomplish something, uh, believing that that if you play your best, you can win. And, you know, it's hard to do that in golf because most of the time you lose. I mean, right. I mean, mm-hmm. no matter how good you are, the majority of the time you play, you're not going to win um, because there's so many great players, but the best players, I think, keep that belief all along. And um, they're not questioning their swing. They're not questioning their short game. They're putting stroke. They're just thinking that, Hey, um, you know, maybe I bogey the last hole, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to I'm going to make a par birdie on the next hole. It's not that they're pressing; they're just believing that that they're that good and and uh, uh, they can compete at that high level. And and it, one of the reasons I just say that about belief is you see a lot of players who are really good, but then maybe their game, um, um, maybe they lose their game a little bit or don't play quite as well. And I think that again goes back to that self-belief or confidence in in um, in their game and as Libby said the, the more golf becomes an idol for you I think the harder it is um, you know, to, to maintain that self-belief but if it's something that you're doing because you love the game you're passionate about it you love to compete um, th- then I think it's a little bit easier for folks Absolutely. I was a victim. I mean, I let it be kind of dictate who I was, uh, lost a little belief in it. And, uh, I mean, if you don't believe it, it, you have no chance. I think that was so well said, but I appreciate y'all spending some time with me and on your vacation. And I know you're going to enjoy some sun and, and I'm going to have to bring Sissy up to Indianapolis girls against the guys. Uh, I don't think we have a chance, Tony, but I think we need to play a little matchup here at Crooked Stick. 
Well, I'm going to dump Libby and get Annabelle as my partner. Well, no, no, you right can't now. do that. No, you can't do that. Let me, all right, Libby, I'll, ta- I'll take me, you, and Sissy. We'll take those two on. We can play a fivesome. I know okay, the pro. Okay, there you go. But no, y'all have fun. Hey, by the way, Jim, I, go ahead. I, I get to walk past the, uh, the um, summary board of the 1991 PGA. I walk past it 10 times a day, and I get to see your name up there uh, as a third-place finisher. I can't remember what you shot. Um but but it is really special for me to be able to see your name being from Indiana and uh, um, how well you played in that 1991 PGA at Crooked Stick and uh, um, pretty cool to see that up there. I can't remember how much money you won, but uh, I, it's uh, I've got the BMW boards right by that third place in the BMW at 2012 was a fair amount more than third place in the. Uh, PGA championship in 91. Yeah, I think it was about 10 times. You know, a funny story, and I'll let you go, is is that next week, I was that next day, I was flying out to Vail to play in the Jerry Ford, and I got paired with Bobby Knight. Uh, so I went from third place to PGA to Bobby Knight. I said, for an Indiana kid, it doesn't get any better than that. So uh, uh, we yeah, had we had a great time. But I appreciate you all spending some time with us. Uh, good luck to Annabelle, and I know uh, we'll see you somewhere out there on the road, and uh, I definitely do have to come see you all. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Well, how cool is that? Uh, Libby Pancake, Tony Pancake. Libby uh, was Libby Akers, uh, an incredible player. Uh, It's a a junior player, college player. So much fun to have them on on the the podcast. Tony, of course, director of golf uh, operations and clubhouse operations at Cricket Stick. He's been there, as he said, going into his 20th year. Two of the finest people you'll ever meet. Two wonderful players. That helps uh, our listeners get some pretty good advice on uh, uh, not only just uh, playing golf, but life and raising kids. I think it was such uh, an informative podcast. But uh, I always like to finish our podcast, whether life or golf, you may have only one shot. you got to make it count. Uh, those folks are definitely making it count, uh, not only in Annabelle's lives, their children's lives, but a lot of uh, uh, young junior girls and boys uh, in, in the state of Indiana and, and throughout the country. But uh, I want to say a special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. You can get Steve's stuff at uh, steveazar.com. And I mentioned earlier VJ Trollio's book, Only One Shot, available at Amazon. Until next time, my name's Jim Gallagher, Jr. We'll see you later. summer haze Remember those two days Tougher than a tent